Good morning. We'd like to welcome everyone to our worship assembly today. We're proud that you are a part of our West Irwin Church of Christ family. Want to welcome all of you that are here in person. Another good crowd today. Welcome all of you that are attending and worshiping with us online. We appreciate your presence uh, as well. We have many sites that are taking part in our worship assemblies every Sunday morning uh, through our different uh, online opportunities and options. And so we appreciate you very much and are glad that you're a part of our family today and want you to know that we're here to serve if you need anything to let us know. Of course, that goes uh, for all of us as well. It is a wonderful time and opportunity to be with our church family, uh, to worship and adore our God together, and to encourage each other as we do that. Uh, if you're here in person and want to fill out a card, you're welcome to do that, especially our our guests, our visitors, we would especially appreciate that and want you to know that we uh, are very, very grateful that you are here with us today, and we're thankful for that. Uh, many are beginning to uh, check in online. Uh, if you have our West Irwin app, then you can check in and register your attendance uh, online uh, through the app, and that would be a great, great thing. We're going to be trying to transition to get more and more people to do that. Uh, and, uh, and that will be a great blessing for all of us uh, as well. Uh, obviously, online, there's all kinds of different opportunities, including uh, the sermon outlines. If you want to fill in the notes, you can do that. Uh, and other opportunities to take part in our church life and ministry uh, as well. We have a few prayer updates uh, as we begin and a couple of other announcements uh, our love and sympathy is extended to the Holder family and the Kennedy family, and that is in your, in your bulletin and on your app. What's not in there is that the services for Jamie Holder's father, Jimmy Holder, were yesterday in College Station. So I wanted to update you on that. Uh, also, our Candy Hilliard is at home recovering uh, from uh, Achilles tendon surgery, and so give her our love and give her some encouragement through Facebook or through text messaging or give her a call, I know, or, or send a card. I know she would appreciate that a great deal. We also heard that Joanne Wilkinson's grandson, uh, Aidan O'Donnell, who is 21, is in uh, Fort Collins in the hospital in Colorado, uh, suffering with lupus and uh, will likely uh, need a kidney transplant as he's having difficulty there as part of the complications. And so let's pray, be praying for his health and for Joanne and all of her family and that uh, a donor would be found uh, soon. That would be a good match uh, for him. Also, you'll notice on the app that Charles Valentine, who was the creator of Children's Bible Study website that uh, we have actually used here at church and have supported um, through the years, is suffering with renal failure and other serious Issues. So his wife and family ask us to remember him in prayer as well. Lots of new babies that have come our way over the last several weeks, including one River Mink. So Lee and Camille, uh, their bundle continues to grow. We're happy for them, for Lindsay and Chase. Also, our Mary Lee, uh, who is here almost every Sunday, is unable to be here today. Robert asks us to pray for her. She has a broken toe and a twisted ankle and is in a cast up to her knee. So let's remember uh, our Mary Lee and Robert uh, and be mindful of them. Uh, also, uh, Jim Boyd uh, has recovered from cataract surgery enough to do it all again. Is that right? <laughs> and so will that be tomorrow or what day? 
Wednesday. So Jim will have the other eye uh, cataract surgery done on Wednesday. And let's keep Jim and Helen uh, in our prayers as well. Uh, want to share a couple of things of upcoming activities. Uh, we have two more Wednesday nights in our summer series, and I hope that's been a blessing to you. It certainly has to me. Uh, Jason Moon, uh, who is not only the preacher of the Waterview Church of Christ, wonderful congregation in the Dallas area in Richardson, uh, but more importantly, uh, he is the brother of our Heather Monahan. And Jason, excellent preacher and Bible student and and very wonderful Christian man will be here this Wednesday night and will share with us at 6.30 uh, here in the auditorium. And, uh, and then one more week after that, on the 25th, we'll have a special prayer devotional uh, in the Family Life Center to end our summer series. And that will also be accompanied with uh, ice cream sundaes. So I hope that you'll be planning on that. Our Wednesday night Bible classes will begin uh, next month, and you'll hear more about that. Um, along that same line, uh, next Sunday, we will be sharing during our Bible class time a, a poll and also having some discussion with our teen through adult classes about uh, what you would participate in on Sunday nights. We've had several folks ask us, when are we going to start up Sunday nights again? And that answer is next month. And what that's going to look like is really going to depend on what uh, you will participate in and take part in. And so we're going to get some suggestions and some, uh, uh, give you some more information about some of the things that we're looking at uh, to make this a more wide-ranging opportunity for people to be involved in not only Bible study but also in hands-on ministry. And so we'll have that discussion next Sunday morning during the Bible class time in our adult classes, our, youth, our teen class at 9 a.m. And so be sure and be planning on participating uh, in that. Along that line, our uh, pre-pandemic <laughs> adult Bible classes will begin on September the 12th, the Sunday after Labor Day. So we'll have a, a broader program of uh, Sunday morning Bible classes for our adults. And then on the 19th, September 19th, we're going to have a great uh, Sunday where we invite all of our friends and family to come back home and to be here and have a welcome home uh, friend day type Sunday on September 19th. You'll be hearing more about that as well. Check the bulletin for uh, other announcements. There is a note about uh, what will take place during our Bible classes about our Sunday nights uh, in the bulletin this week as well. Um, in just a moment, our, our brother Stan Clark is going to come up and share a little bit about our safety team. As you know, uh, there have been some law changes recently and a lot of questions about what our West Irwin policies will be and, and how we're approaching all of that. And so Stan is exactly the man to do that. He is the leader of uh, director of our West Irwin safety team that you see throughout uh, the building at all of our activities, and we owe them a great debt of gratitude for uh, their place uh, on the wall, uh, willing to protect us, and we appreciate that so very much. Uh, Stan and Judy have been members here for 34 years. Stan is a previous elder here at West Irwin Church of Christ, 36 years of law enforcement experience with the Texas Department of Public Safety. He has served in supervisory capacities in the DPS in McAllen, Tyler, Austin, Beaumont, and Dallas. He is proficient in the use of firearms and is a firearms instructor 
with the Department of Public Safety. He's a graduate of the FBI National Academy, and again, he is our safety team director. And because this is the time that we live in, uh, we appreciate those who are on this safety team in such a great way and want to communicate with you uh, exactly where we are in this and what to expect when you come here uh, to West Irwin. And so before we get started with our worship assembly, Stan is going to come up and share a few things about that. Thank you, Bill. Uh, I am not running for public office. Uh, I am retired. Appreciate those comments. As Bill said, 20 or 30 years ago, we would never have dreamed about having a security team or safety team or law enforcement officers in our assemblies. But times have changed, and you're aware of that. Uh, back in February of 2018, the elders approached me and asked me to evaluate our readiness in case we had uh, an external threat. Uh, I did that, and I contacted several men and women in this congregation who had an interest in forming a safety team. Uh, in doing this, you have to comply with state law, and of course, the this is all under the guidance and approval of our eldership. And so we put together a, a team, and I just want to touch briefly on what we're about, because there's, there's people in here that I don't know personally, uh, but I wanted to take this time to uh, tell you what we do, what our purpose is. As a safety team, we are here for two reasons, to secure this place of worship where our members and our visitors are safe from any kind of external threat that might present itself. Secondly, uh, as safety team members, we want to provide a safe environment. Uh, if there are hazards or things that uh, we find around this building, we want to mitigate those situations where we have a safe environment for you, visitors, and your children. A little bit about our team. We currently have 18 members of our safety team. Uh, they are readily identifiable and distinctive by the yellow name badge that we wear. And there are 18 of us that currently are on the team. Each team member is a licensed uh, concealed handgun carrier. They have also received advanced training uh, in the use of firearms and interpersonal uh, contacts. And so that's briefly what our team is about. We also are governed uh, by a policy and procedure manual that has been put together that covers all the aspects of what this team is about. Training, personnel, qualifications, everything about the team. We live in a cruel world. You're aware of that. 
There are individuals right outside this building that occasionally roam these streets, come onto our parking lot. Some of these people have mental illness, addictions, all kind of issues. Our purpose is to keep our five buildings on our campus as safe as we possibly can. We've got the Lighthouse, the Family Life Center, the Administration Building, our Worship Complex, and the Benevolence Center. And there are people that occasionally come onto our parking lot and can quickly get out of control. What our purpose is, is to engage these individuals in the parking lot. We never want them to gain access to our building. Now, don't get me wrong. We welcome visitors. We welcome everyone to come worship with us. That's what we're about, to reach out and save the lost. But on the other hand, we cannot condone irrational behavior in our assemblies or in our classrooms. So our purpose as safety team members is to engage these individuals calmly, diffuse the situation, and if necessary, escort them off the property. And this is what we will do. There's one thing I do want to read verbatim to you, and I'll close. Governor Abbott recently signed the Firearm Carry Act of 2021. This was in the news. Most all of you are familiar with it. This will go into effect in two weeks, September the 1st. It's commonly called the Constitutional Carry Act. After consulting with other churches in the area and with our eldership, we uh, decided we have chosen to allow those that are legally permitted to carry a firearm to do so at West Irwin. Now, listen carefully. No one will open carry a firearm on our premises. Not a safety team member, nor a visitor or anyone who constitutionally carries a firearm. They will not be allowed to open carry. You're part of this as members of West Irwin. If you see something that looks unusual, say something. Look for one of these or look for me and we'll take care of it. That should not occur. We should stop all this if it occurs at the doors in the parking lot. But should you engage someone like this, please let us know. One last thing. In the event of a situation in a classroom or in our assembly, if there is a threat that manifests itself, please let the safety team handle it. You may be a, a concealed handgun license carrier. You may be a constitutional carrier. Let the safety team handle this because an exposed weapon could be deemed a threat to a safety team member or a law enforcement officer that comes into our building. If they don't know who you are, it could be a problem. So anyway, 
long story short, let the safety team handle it, and everyone, all 18, should be wearing their yellow name tag, readily identifiable. So that is uh, the information that I have for you this morning. Please, if you have any question, please contact me. I'll be glad to share any information, detailed information about this new law or our policy and procedure. And with that, I think I've covered everything. I'll now turn it over to Rusty. He's been on deck, ready to go. Thank you. stand as we begin our worship service.
picture shown is my three-month-old grandson, Eli Hodges. And we know many of you have been praying for him. Last month, Eli had to have emergency open-heart surgery because of previous undiagnosed heart defects. The Wickses and Hodges family want to sincerely thank you for your prayers, your love, your support, and your comforting, encouraging words. God bless us with a knowledgeable medical staff and surgeon. And as you see, Eli's wearing a black and white shirt. He busted out at Ronald McDonald's house last Tuesday and now at home. We are thankful that he's still eating and gaining weight. We humbly ask for your continuing prayers for Eli, Kelsey, and Jared. For Eli will face future challenges and another open heart surgery within a year. For we know God is a great physician, and we are grateful for Eli's progress. Let's go to our Father in prayer. Father, we are so grateful to see children here at West Irwin. For each child reminds us of life's new beginnings. And Father, we're thankful for Jesus, who is willing to die for our sins so that we can be reborn to have a new beginning as a child of God with a hope of eternal life. And as school begins, surround the teachers, parents, and children with your hedge of protection. Provide the parents and teachers with the wisdom, patience, and knowledge as they handle the many pressures of work, teaching, and raising children. We pray for them to have a safe and healthy school year. Father, be with all of us here at West Irwin, our staff, ministers, deacons, teachers, and each individual member. And may we continue to encourage and spur one another on the good works and be joyful in our labor. Father, bless Bill Allen today as he presents your word. Empower Bill with words that proclaims your truth and touch our hearts. Father, as you, your word says in Philippians 4, 6, present your request to God. We bring these names before you and ask you for recovering your healing touch to be upon them. Jim Boyd, Nina Crow, Candace Hilder, Jeff Stauffer's sister, Kaylee Busby, Suzanne Transier, Eli Hodges, Ryan Kelly, and one-year-old Hannah Hass, Ralph Henderson, Marla and Lanny Canifax, Jonathan and Christina Ramirez, Charles Valentine, and Joanne's grandson. Father, we ask you to provide peace and comfort for the families that have recently lost loved ones. Jamie and Wendy Holder in the loss of Jamie's father, Doris, Candy, and family in the loss of her sister, grandson, Joshua. And with new beginnings, we pray for Lee and Camille's Mink's granddaughter, River, that she would continue to be a healthy baby and one day be reborn and have the hope of eternal life. We pray for all those in our prayer and care list. And Father, we pray for the people in Haiti. Father, protect the health care workers and our firefighters, police, who are putting their lives on line for each of us. We ask you to bless the government leaders of this world who restrain evil, 
uphold your word in righteousness, and who proclaim and keep your name holy. Be with our troops in Afghanistan. Be with the Afghan people. Protect them from hardline Islamic rule. For they are in a country of violence, displacement, and seemingly powerless position. And for the Afghan brothers and sisters in Christ who are struggling in a nation that is changing, we ask you to bless their hearts and minds. Give them your peace which transcends all understanding. Guard their hearts and their minds in Christ Jesus. And Father, clear our minds from the distractions of life and we begin this worship time so that our worship will be in spirit and truth. And when we leave, may we be revived, united to love you with all of our hearts, souls, mind, and strength. In Jesus' name, amen. As we focus our minds on the Last Supper, on Christ, I want you to read with me in Matthew 25, 35. Something that's been on me this last week. For I was hungry and you gave me, gave me something to eat, and I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink, and I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes, clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. 
I was in prison and you came to visit me. There's not a single person in this room that Christ hasn't done that for. He's here for us at every aspect of our lives when we're hungry and we need him. And Matthew 26, 26. While they were eating, Jesus took the bread, and when he, had given, when he gave thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat, this is my body. And 26, 27. And then he took the cup, and he had given thanks, and he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is the blood of my covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. When we're thirsty, he's there. When we're hungry, he's there. When we need him to wrap us up with his love, he's there. At every moment, every place. We're blessed beyond measure for his sacrifice. God's love in us, for us that he would do something so great and so powerful to us and for us. Will you pray with me? Father, we, we come humbly before you, grateful, in, in awe on how awesome you are that you would give yourself, that you would send your son to walk a path in the end so dreadful, but to give us a road map to you, to give us a salvation. Father, thank you. Thank you so much for the blessings that you give us, but for most of all, Christ. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen. Father, in that final moment, when the spear pierced the side and blood and water ran out and it washes us clean, in that moment we picture such agony, such agony for our sins, something so beautiful to hang there for us knowing who we are, what we are, and how despicable we can be, and yet that love transcends. Father, we are blessed by you. Thank you so much. It's in your name we pray. Amen. We take an opportunity now to reflect on our blessings. Our blessings of Christ and the abundance of love that he's shared on us. What God has given us. We also take an opportunity now to give that abundance we've been called to. And in that same passage, Matthew twenty-five thirty-five. 
he tells us what we need to do and who we need to be to the world. We are to be like Christ, to live a life like Christ. And though we fail horribly, we are called to try and try again. And we take this opportunity now to give funds, to give our time, to give our abilities to everybody outside these doors and some inside these doors. Monetary help, compassion, grace, love, all of it. We take this time to give as Christ gave. Pray with me. Father, you have given us so abundantly. We live such a wonderful life through you. In such a roadmap you gave us, you gave us a view of what perfection is. And though we strive and miss the mark, you help us along. Father, thank you for the abundance of love that you give us and the abundance of ability that we can give out. That we can show others your kingdom. We can show others what grace has been bestowed on us as we can give grace and understanding to others, that we can show a light of you to the rest of the world as we've been called to do. Father, as we focus our minds on this time, soften our hearts. Let us give. Let us give with a smile on our face because as you gave so abundantly to us, it's in your holy name we pray. program. If you are part of that program, you're dismissed at this time. If everyone else would stand with me, we'll sing Tis So Sweet to Trust in Jesus before Bill comes for his lesson this morning.
think one thing 2020 and 2021 have taught us is to sing that song a little bit more from the heart. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus just to take him at his word. These are uh, very difficult and sometimes odd times that we are in and challenging times. Appreciate so much Stan's presentation and our safety team and our, our elders for maintaining as best we can a safe environment for us all to come and to join together in worshiping our great God. I appreciate Chad's reminders to us from Matthew 25 as we gathered around the table uh, that we have been blessed immensely by Jesus Christ and, and because of that he has called us to be a blessing to others and to share the things that we have uh, to show the love of Christ and to share his word as best we can through our lives first and with our words as we have opportunities. Appreciated very much our shepherd David Wicks's prayer as he not only remembered to ask God's blessing on those of us in this community, um, our families, our individuals, our children, our teachers, our schools, our community, um, the law enforcement and the first responders, the medical personnel that are especially vulnerable and have been for such a long time, physically and emotionally. But to also remember others around the world, those in Haiti suffering and recovering from an earthquake, um, those in Afghanistan who are suffering with such a, um, an incredibly devastating uh, situation in their country. And yet here we are, remembering that Jesus is Lord and remembering how sweet it truly is to trust not in people, not in governments, not in preachers, but to trust in Jesus Christ. And that is the great, great blessing. This morning I get to share with you um, a lesson about a man who was uh, the enemy of the church and then became its uh, strongest voice. And of course I'm talking about the Apostle Paul. I kind of look at this uh, lesson as an introduction to the lesson that we'll receive on Wednesday night. Jason will be sharing with us uh, on the Apostle Paul as well in our series on Wednesday night, Looking Forward, Conquered or Conqueror. And so it's a blessing for me to be able to, in this series of Jesus and his relationships with others, to speak today about Jesus and this special relationship that he had with Saul of Tarsus, the Apostle Paul. Before he was the Apostle Paul, he was Saul of Tarsus and was dead set on destroying the church with every ounce of his being. That's what he sought to do. Interestingly enough, as you know, Jesus interacted with him when he was both Saul and Paul. Jesus didn't wait to interact with him until after he had converted, but Jesus interacted with him before. And so a few things today about this special relationship between Jesus and Paul. It begins, of course, with Paul. Paul opposes Jesus, first of all. He was, again, set on destroying the church and all the followers of this one who claimed to be the Messiah and ended up being crucified on a cross by the Jews and the Romans. 
Paul opposes Jesus and we're first introduced to him in Acts chapter 7 at the scene where the first Christian martyr saw his life taken for the faith. In Acts chapter 7 beginning at verse 55, Stephen, one of those special seven chosen, we might call them deacons in Acts chapter 6, a man filled with the Holy Spirit, a wonderful servant heart to do all of those things, Chad, that you mentioned in, in Matthew 25. That's the kind of person that Stephen was, but he was also a, a very courageous preacher. And he spoke this lesson with truth and with love and with honesty and with conviction. And then in verse 55 of Acts 7, Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this, they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him, dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, verse 58 of Acts 7, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep and Saul approved of their killing him. Paul opposes Jesus as Saul of Tarsus and it starts right here with the first Christian martyr, but far from the last, as best we can tell, that Saul of Tarsus would have a part of. In Acts chapter 8, Continuing in verse 1, on that day a great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him, but Saul, verse 3, began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. And then in chapter 9, we get a little bit of a hint of exactly how he did that. In chapter 9 of Acts, verses 1 and 2, Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. And so Paul was not willing just to stay in Jerusalem, but he was going to the neighboring area. Damascus, the capital of Syria, when it was the world empire uh, back in the 8th century BC, and now still a, a thriving city north of, of Judea and Jerusalem. Saul received permission from the Jewish leaders. He was their point man in opposing the church. He was the guy that they looked to that said, we need you to squelch this. They thought they had done that when they crucified Jesus. And yet the tomb was empty and now the disciples were all everywhere saying that he was raised from the dead and enter Saul of Tarsus. In Philippians chapter 3 and also 1 Timothy 1, Paul mentions in one of those, a couple of those autobiographical passages, especially Philippians 3, when he's talking about his life as a Jew, a Hebrew of Hebrews, a Pharisee of Pharisees. And he says, as for zeal persecuting the church, no one was more passionate than Saul of Tarsus. No one was more zealous than Saul of Tarsus. But that passion was all directed towards destroying the church that Jesus founded with the blood 
that he shed on that cross. Paul opposes Jesus. And then next, Paul converts to Jesus. (laughs) If there was ever a huge surprise, it's this one. (laughs) If there was ever anybody that you would write off your list, cross off and say, you know, they're gone. I don't, I don't need to worry about them and trying to influence them for Jesus. There's just no way they would ever turn. That would be Saul of Tarsus. We read about that story of his conversion in Acts chapter 9. And uh, as Luke records it, when it during the narrative of, of Acts, and then Paul himself recounts it in Acts 22 and in Acts 26. And as we shared in our Sunday morning Bible class in the Family Life Center today, this is how we do evangelism. We share these story by sharing my story. That's what Paul does in Acts 22 and in Acts 26 and in Philippians 3 and in 1 Timothy 1. He shares and tells his story. (laughs) This is what my life was like before Jesus came in. This is how I became a Christian in Acts 22 and in Acts 26. And then here's my life now. Paul converts to Jesus. He sang the song (laughs) that we will sing, I have decided to follow Jesus. Just like Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, when they decided to follow Jesus and made it public, by becoming ceremonially unclean during Passover weekend and taking his body off the cross and laying it in the tomb that Joseph himself owned. Saul of Tarsus does the same thing. He makes a very public proclamation. When he becomes a Christian, I have decided to follow Jesus. We love that story in Acts 9. And again, as Paul tells it later, As we just read a few moments ago, having orders to go to Damascus and do the same thing he'd been doing in Judea and surrounding areas, hunting down members of the church of Jesus Christ, those who would proclaim faith in this resurrected Messiah, those who would claim that the one who had been crucified as a criminal with criminals was actually the long-awaited Messiah. For Saul of Tarsus, he could not fathom that. It was blasphemy. And he was willing to destroy anyone with whatever measures were needed that would make such a claim. And with that in mind, he went to Damascus. But as you know, on the road, there was a a great light that blinded him and a voice that came out and said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul, because he genuinely believed he was doing God's will, asked, who are you, Lord? And the response came, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. According to Acts 26, that statement, it's hard for you to kick against the goads. Saul, I've been, I've been trying to reach you. And you're not responding. And can you imagine Saul of Tarsus when he heard those words, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you're persecuting. There was no one, no one on the face of the earth. Perhaps no one even since who was doing more to destroy the church of Jesus Christ. Saul answered and replied with a question and it's the only question that a person can offer at that point. What shall I do, Lord? 
What shall I do? And Jesus told him, go into the city and you'll get the answer to your question. So he goes in. He has to be led because he's blind. He goes into the city and for three days and three nights, he's praying and fasting. Don't tell me this man didn't believe. He believed. Don't tell me this man didn't repent. He repented. Jesus, of course, comes to Ananias, this Christian man, and he says, Ananias, there's a man by the name of Saul. I want you to go to him and share the message I have for him. And Ananias says, whoop, 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 whoop. Um, I don't know about that, Lord. Are you sure? I mean, uh, two questions, sort of. First of all, number one, are you sure it's Saul? And number two, do you, are you sure you want to send your old buddy, old pal, Ananias? So Ananias knew the kind of man he was. He knew what he had come there to do. Jesus says, you go. He'll suffer some. He's going to be my messenger. And you're my messenger to him. Ananias goes to him, and in spite of three days and three nights of believing, of repenting, of praying fervently, fasting, still there was one more thing that Saul of Tarsus needed to do. And in his own words, he says that Ananias came to him in Acts 22, verse 16, and said, Saul, what are you waiting for? Get up. Be baptized and wash your sins away, calling on the name of the Lord. How do you call on the name of the Lord? How do you have your sins washed away? It's through believing and repenting and confessing that faith and being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And that's what Saul of Tarsus did. And he was raised to live a new life. And from that moment on, it was 100% different. I have decided to follow. Jesus. He left that former life behind. The chief of sinners, he calls himself in 1 Timothy 1 and converts to Jesus. Third, Paul preaches Jesus. For Paul, it didn't stop when he dried off after being baptized. That was just the beginning. It's just the beginning for us as well. In Acts chapter 9, verse 20, at once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on this name? And hasn't he come here to Damascus to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? The answers to both of those questions, yes, same guy. Yet, verse 22, Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. Nobody could do it better. <laughs> he knew all the words that were used against this claim. He had said them himself. He had believed them himself. Verse 23, after many days had gone by, there was a conspiracy among the Jews to kill him. No doubt. But Saul learned of their plan. Day and night, they kept close watch on the city gates in order to kill him. But his followers took him by night and lowered him in a basket through an opening in the wall. And so it begins for Paul. This life of suffering, this life of difficulty, this life of threat, this life of persecution, this life of hardship, because of, not in spite of, but because of his faith in Jesus Christ. Perhaps we should remember our Bible history and consider our world history of the last 2,000 or so years as we look at our own lives and our own situation 
today. He goes on his mission journeys. He goes to Rome, all preaching the message of Christ. He writes letters to individuals and to churches, all preaching the message of Christ. In Romans 1, he says it clearly. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it is the power of God for salvation, starting with us Jews, but then going on even to the non-Jews, which he would consider blasphemy before Jesus. And now it's what he gave his life to do. We proclaim him, he says in Colossians 1. I preach Christ and him crucified, he told the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 2. Paul opposes Jesus, Paul converts to Jesus, Paul preaches Jesus, and now it turns a little bit. Lastly today, Jesus encourages Paul. In Acts 22, we read of him being in Jerusalem and and nearly being torn apart (laughs) during this time as they're trying to Uh, arrest him and and they've had him arrested and now they're trying to convict him and have him killed the Jewish leaders are but Jesus comes to him and he says don't don't worry don't worry in Acts chapter 18 uh, after after Paul's conversion after he had been to Jerusalem that first time and heard had heard the words of Jesus encouraging him now he's in Corinth on his mission journeys and he's and he's there and he's wondering, that with all the sin in this place, Corinth was known for its sexual immorality. It was known in, in now modern day Greece, a city in now modern day Greece, it was, it was known for its idolatry. And yet Jesus comes to him in Acts 18 and says, you stay, you stay. You've got a lot of work to do here. And he did. In Acts 23 again, in Jerusalem, wondering if he's going to be killed or not, Jesus comes to him and encourages him. And he says, don't you worry, Paul. Just as you have testified for me here in Jerusalem, you will testify for me in Rome. You will go to the capital city of the empire and tell this same story. In Acts 27, while he's on that ship and and is going through all of that storm and and they're they're literally taking ropes and swimming under the boat and tying the boat together an angel comes to Paul and he says don't don't worry if everyone stays with the boat they'll arrive safely finally in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 that great passage where Paul speaks about his vision and and he speaks about his humility in the midst of such great work such great vision such great ministry even trying to be worshiped as a god in some places and Paul says in order to bring me back to who I am God provided a thorn in the flesh and I asked him to take it away because Satan wanted to use it to destroy my faith and, and make me more ineffective in ministry. And Jesus said, no. He heard my faithful prayers over and over and over again. And he said, no, 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 the thorn stays, but my grace stays with it. And so Paul says, that'll be enough. Because when I'm weak, that's when I'm strong. Jesus encourages Paul. So through it all, Jesus was there for Paul. 
at every turn, at every step. When he was Saul of Tarsus persecuting the church, Jesus had him pegged. He was waiting for just the right moment. Through it all, Jesus was there for Paul. When he converted to Jesus and his life took such a turn as he began to preach and suffer and be persecuted, perhaps more than anyone else, still alive during that first century of the church. And through it all, Jesus encouraged Paul, reminded him of his presence. Through it all, Jesus was there for Paul, and that's why he could say, I have decided to follow Jesus. Through it all, Jesus was there for Paul, and Jesus will be there for us as well. He will be there for you. Whatever is ahead, I can't tell you what the future holds, but I can tell you that Jesus will be with you. I can tell you the answer to that song we sang earlier, that prayer song. That includes my favorite verse of any song, church song, old song, written by dead guys, written by people today, pop songs, my favorite verse of any song whatsoever. Be with me, Lord, no other gift or blessing thou couldst bestow, could with this one compare a constant sense of thy abiding presence. Where'er I am, to feel that thou art near. Jesus has answered that prayer with a resounding yes. I will be with you. If today you need to decide to follow Jesus, come as we stand, sing our song together. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have
Would you bow with me? Father, we thank you for this day. Father, we thank you for the weather. Father, we thank you for this place to come and to worship you, to sing praises to you. And Father, I pray that that would um, bring glory and honor to you. Father, I thank you for such an amazing story as Paul, where you can use anybody. For it is not the healthy that need a doctor, but the sick. Father, I pray that you would be with us as we go throughout our days, and that we would go out and we'll evangelize and, and bring more people to you, Father. It's in Jesus' precious and holy name I pray. Amen.